Hey there, welcome to Into the Fire, where every week we're going into the fire to clear the smoke on today's hot topics in business and in everyday life. This week I have with me Dave Angus. Uh, Dave is president of the Johnson Group and he has spent a lot of time as co-chair the Winnipeg Poverty Reduction Council, as well as, Dave, you're currently the uh, chair of the TRC92? Well, I'm leading the initiative, which kind okay. of spun out of WPRC, which I'm the past co-chair of that okay. initiative. Yeah. Okay. Now, when you say into the fire, because we're kind of hosting this at Johnson Group, you're just kind of kidding about the into the fire part. Right? Absolutely. No, we're not going to burn the place <laughs> just down. Just want to make sure that you're not trying to practice your uh, your, your sprinkler system well, here. Well, that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, look at it really works. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. Okay. It's then. not and say we did. Yeah. Okay. I'll be good. Yeah. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind uh, just telling us a little bit more about, I guess let's start with the you know, Poverty Reduction Council and kind of see where that kind of started and where it's gone to and how that's led you to TRC92. Yeah, it's actually started uh, a number of years ago and the impetus for it was um, the issues facing that, uh, that really uh, that cause poverty are so deep and so significant, it really takes a community effort. So there was a sense through the United Way to bring together leaders from all parts of our community so right now we have about 40 uh, leaders from all parts of Winnipeg that sit together uh, in a circle and talk about initiatives that we need to undertake in order to, to deal with poverty here in Winnipeg. So it's been a real pleasure and honor for me actually to be part of it. I'm no longer the co-chair, but coming out of the uh, WPRC efforts, uh, we established what's called the TRC92 uh, Indigenous Youth Employment Initiative, okay. uh, which I'm leading. Okay. And what can you tell us about that? Well, one of the uh, one of the elements that came came out of our discussions was we really need to move the needle in terms of providing opportunities for Indigenous youth. Mm -hmm. uh, the numbers weren't good in terms of the high level of unemployment for youth period, but Indigenous youth in particular. So one of the barriers, and so we decided to pull together a consortium of companies to sit down and, and identify what things do companies like Johnson Group need to do in order to provide great opportunities for Indigenous youth, not just to get employment, but also to keep employment here. Right. So it's been uh, it's been quite a journey, but it's been really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I know, uh, you know, I've sat on WPRC with you, and the stuff that I'm learning, you know, daily uh, about where youth are and what they're what their struggles are and the things they need to overcome and what business can be doing. And sometimes it's very um, subtle little things, introductions, some of the right things. And in some cases, you know, some of the uh, larger companies that I've seen out there that have gone full on into their HR and are uh, training their people to look for different things and how we can be supporting those youth and getting them jobs and things like that. Um, I don't know if there's more you can go on with that. Well, I just, you know, it's funny what you learn. Like when we initially sat around the table as employers, um, and as an employer in the business community, you're always, you know, quick to get to the action item. Like, mm -hmm. let's get to I just, you know, introduce me to some Indigenous youth. I want to see if whether they line up with the, the needs that we have here in our organization. The reality is, was, when we looked at it, if we really want to have success, we need to take a step back and answer the question, how do you create a relationship with the Indigenous community? Mm -hmm. What organizations do we need to uh, connect with? Uh, how do we create greater understanding of Indigenous youth, but the Indigenous peoples and their history? including residential schools. So part of what was necessary for all these companies, before we start looking at HR policy and, and recruitment strategies, let's look at what can we do inside our companies in order to create greater awareness and understanding of Indigenous peoples, period. 
And so what we did here at Johnson Group is we put all of our staff through indigenous orientation. Um, and that's been, we got great in, uh, input back from our staff saying it was one of the best things that we've done uh, because they really had no idea of the history. And now it really puts us in a position if we bring in an indigenous youth that they're, they're gonna have a soft landing here that people mm -hmm. will understand uh, the kinds of things that they've had to deal with as an indigenous person and the kinds of things we need to do in order to uh, bring them in and make sure they have a successful career. Right, you know, and, I, and I've been, as I've been getting educated myself in some of these things, I know even just walking into places like Build and having our lad give the kind of the tour of what they're doing, why they're doing it, uh, the struggles that the people there that are, are employed by Build and, and the skills that they're trying to learn, you know, it's quite an eye-opener because I, you know, as, as a guy that, you know, grew up in Charleswood and didn't live in that area, just, you know, didn't know anything about it. So there's a, a real education piece for myself where I was sitting back going, wow, this is going on in, in my city where I've lived all my life and these people really need help. Well, yeah. I'm really finding in the business community a real will to, to go down this journey. Mm -hmm. Like there's a real, I think, understanding that how important this is mm -hmm. and that they just can't do business as usual when it comes to indigenous, uh, indigenous peoples, but indigenous youth as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're looking at, as a, as a consortium, all the different elements that lead to success, uh, starting to implement them, starting to bring in indigenous youth into our workplace that like we have here at Johnston Group. And uh, we're making some headway. But now it's about, like we have 12 companies uh, we need a thousand companies around the table, right? Uh, and so now it's about yeah. the outreach, and, mm -hmm. and even if you're not in a position to hire, jump in the circle and mm -hmm. start to start the journey. And I think uh, we're hopeful that this can be something that we can scale. So we'll have a number of consortiums throughout the community, and get more and more business engaged mm -hmm. in it. And I think that'll be uh, that'll make a huge difference. And you know what? You make a great point there because. You know, it's not about going out and hiring 50 new people because companies just can't necessarily do that. I mean, maybe they can hire one or two or as required to, to fill the ranks. Um, but in some cases, it's making some connections. It's, um, you know, or what can you do to support, you know, places and, you know, I'm leaning on build at the moment, but whether it's build or the United Way or places like that that can dig into where these people are needing the most support and give it to them. You know, so it's not always about necessarily hiring, but supporting the companies that can. Or, you know, uh, I had a talk with the Sprinkler Union not long ago about what they could be doing to talk with art. And as his people are coming through their courses there, maybe start pulling them into the Sprinkler Union. And from there, they can go through, they would still have to meet all the requirements and do all the testing and all the stuff that goes with that, like anybody would. But they can come out of that with a very strong trade and be able to do all kinds of great stuff. But it's making those connections that I think is so important. Well, and that's, you know, introducing companies like yours to a build uh, really is the magic. Because mm -hmm. it's through that, that interaction where things start to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and both sides learn. Because it's important for the indigenous organizations that are dealing with indigenous youth also to learn some of the issues facing companies, some of the limitations mm -hmm. they have. Uh, and vice versa. So when we sat, we went to one of the agencies and as a consortium when we sat with the indigenous youth mm -hmm. and we had a full half day of discussions with indigenous youth and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Not only how impressed we were with the indigenous youth and their, their interest actually in working right. and yeah. finding employment, uh, but also what, uh, what the, what, their appetite to want to know more about the companies. Mm -hmm. And so it was a great engagement, but uh, learning on both sides. And that's the kind of thing that we're trying to do as part of the consortium. And I think the kind of thing that's going to lead to success. 
the comments, and unfortunately I wasn't there that day, but uh, the comments that I've heard that came back from that from a lot of the youth that were there were, these people actually listened to us right. and answered our questions and gave yeah. us some respect. Things that they just weren't expecting. And well, and what's positive is that they got had that response. Uh, what's negative is that that was a surprise to them. We mm -hmm. need we need uh, that should happen more and more and more. Mm -hmm. that, that yeah. The barriers of having that kind of engagement need to need to be wiped away so that we can have that kind of engagement with Indigenous youth. So. Yeah, and that's where I think uh, just. Uh, us constantly working at it and the importance of what you're doing with TRC 92 uh, to make sure the businesses are looking in the right direction and getting the education they need to move that way. Well, in TRC 92, the report is a call to action. They're not recommendations. Mm -hmm. They are a call to action. 92 is the call to action to employers specifically. Okay. Right. And we want to create a platform upon which employers can answer the call. Mm -hmm. This is one way to act. Right. This is one way to actually make a difference. And so it isn't about platitudes, it isn't about just, well, yeah, we think it's important. It's about mm -hmm. what are you going to do mm -hmm. in order to uh, enhance the relationship with Indigenous peoples in this country. Right. Yeah. And uh, so we're hopeful that this be one of the platforms that employers can choose in order to do that. Right. So when you talk about businesses wanting to take action, there's the action. Right. Yeah. Demonstrable action. And mm -hmm. I think that's important. Indigenous people need to, need to see it, mm -hmm. uh, not only the will uh, in terms of words, but mm -hmm. also in terms of action. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens with the initiative. We're very excited. We now have gone out and we're just forming our second consortium. Uh, we're gonna continue to go out to the broader business community to invite more and more. And you know, in, in a lot of these kinds of programs, it's often the usual suspects. It's often the larger companies that have the capacity to be able to get engaged in these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. uh, the ball game is small, medium-sized business. Right, absolutely. And when you look at where the jobs are coming to, a lot of these fast-growth gazelle companies are smaller companies. Mm -hmm. And so where, uh, where are the opportunities for Indigenous youth in those companies? And so we, we, we need to continue this work because that's the only way we're actually going to move the bar. Right. No, that's, that's really good. Uh, I know your son Scott's also very involved in um, uh, what's it, higher purpose change. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? HP change. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about it and then you interview Scott and he'll correct all the things <laughs> that I said. Because yeah. it really is his yeah. initiative. But we, um, you know, Scott, um, you know, spent, you know, when he graduated from Asper School with a business degree, uh, he got engaged with an organization called Ray. Right, I remember that. Ray. Yeah, Resource Assistance for Youth. And it was they, on campus, they had this Five Days for the Homeless mm -hmm. initiative that Ray was the recipient of funds for. And so he, got, he was a participant and then he ran it the next year on behalf of the Asper School, but he created this relationship with Ray and he was so impressed, but it really struck a chord with the kind of work that they're doing for youth mm -hmm. and for homeless youth particularly in Winnipeg and so uh, he started volunteering and then he got hired on and he spent three years there and so he really uh, had this engagement with with youth that were in crisis mm -hmm. right. and he saw the needs and he saw the needs for engagement and supports for indigenous youth but he also saw the potential because you get to know these youth and you get to know uh, the kinds of barriers that they're they're up against but also uh, their, you know, what they bring to the table, which in many ways is significant. So he had that experience, then he went on to uh, work with the Canada Summer Games on contracts, so he was dealing with youth in a different context. And so he really had a passion to work with the next generation, particularly high schools. And so we created, a, started an organization called HP Change. Didn't know where I was gonna go, mm -hmm. just right. kind of started it. 
But the uh, higher purpose element of HP change is the key because there really is a, uh, a strong value set and motivation of the next generation around being involved in something that they can make a difference. Right. Yeah. They want to work for a company that's making a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to get involved in community initiatives where they can make a difference. And so that was kind of the, the focus of the company is to, for youth that want to make a difference in their community or want to make a difference uh, at work, right. how do we create that bridge and I'll, I'll be honest with you, Rob, in my 17 years at the Winnipeg Chamber, I saw a huge divide between schools and business. Right, yes. We talk about it, you know, how we have to you know, provide internships and we have to have relationships with the next generation, but there was really a big gulf. And so part of our work has been to how do we bridge that divide between high schools and the business world and the community, frankly in order to provide the next generation with the opportunities they're looking for. Right, and it, kind of interesting, when I was talking with uh, Kim Ulmer the other day, uh, she'd made the comment about how technology and the way business is changing right now, the jobs that were traditional jobs, you know, when we were young guys, don't even exist anymore. And the opportunities for, you know, uh, any youth to be able to uh, jump into these new roles and take on these new jobs that, you know, have may not have even been invented yet, but the gazelle companies you talked about earlier, they're yeah. moving so quickly, they need people that can jump along with them. Well, and that's why there's a huge appetite in the high schools to have in, uh, to have really meaningful internships. Mm -hmm. That's the only way you're going to learn. Right. You know, particularly for jobs that don't exist yet. <laughs> so, you know, to be able to do a, a few months at a workplace where you can really get a sense of what the jobs are mm -hmm. and just, and, and the industry and whether you actually want to be part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's also important for, uh, from a diversity perspective, it's important for young women to get involved in non-traditional uh, uh, roles within the workplace uh, for women. And that's why this, the whole STEM focus is critically important for them to provide opportunities for them around that. Uh, indigenous youth, uh, new Canadians, you know, there needs to be bridges uh, that can leverage our diversity but bring them right into opportunities within within the Winnipeg and Manitoba business community. Right, and that's a win-win because the employers are looking for these people and they're looking for jobs and it's, you know, sometimes just finding that marriage. They sure are, yeah. but they do need help on creating the internships, and so that's been a big focus for HP Change as well. Okay, interesting. You know, one of the things that kind of caught my uh, attention as you were talking there were some of the barriers that people don't realize, and even myself, uh, you know, a year ago, I didn't understand some of the barriers that some of these people are, are facing, and I don't know if we want to talk about that or if there's some things you want to share there that what the, what the youth is up against. Well, uh, again, I think there is a, uh, a lack of understanding. And, you know, when we look at the, you know, we did, we've done uh, sessions with the students, mm -hmm. you know, try to get an understanding of where, where they feel the barriers are. Mm -hmm. But we've also done sessions with the teachers. Right. And the teachers are saying that they, um, they don't have the relationships that they need with industry to mm -hmm. properly inform uh, youth in terms of where the opportunities are. Right. And they know that's, that's part of their responsibility. So how do we bridge that gap? How do we get industry more engaged with our high schools? And even even before high school, in the middle years, right. which is so important. But I just saw some data uh, saying that uh, jobs, the notion of how where you see yourself in a job starts at grade seven or grade eight. Mm -hmm. So that's where you start to look at what I, what I, what I can fit into. Right, right? yeah. And so I've talked to Kevin Sheaf as an example. He's mm -hmm. a great example of him with a young indigenous kid in the North End hopping on a bus 
with his friend, and and they're driving along, and they notice that the bus driver was indigenous. Okay. And Kevin says, "Hey," he said to his friend, "Look, that's an indigenous bus driver. We can be a bus driver too." Mm -hmm. He talks about the impact that that had on how he viewed himself and the job that that uh, that is there. We need more of those interactions right. with the next generation and with industry. Okay. That's going to be key. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, some of the things that I know I've learned even just talking with. Uh, different people out there, and I'm thinking of our lad again at the moment, but just, you know, as, as people are coming into it, uh, things that I took for granted as a young guy, turned 16, got a driver's license, started driving. You know, there's so many youth out there that don't get a driver's license. They don't have social insurance numbers in place yet. They don't have all of those things just to get a job. Well, you know? we saw that with the Canada mm -hmm. Learning Bond. Like, mm -hmm. Canada Learning Bond is money that's available for those. It's income tested, mm -hmm. but for a lot of uh, kids, mm -hmm. it's money that's available for post-secondary education, mm -hmm. and significant money. And I think it's less than 25% of those who qualify actually get it. And a lot of it has to do with the barriers, because these families that are growing up in poverty or just trying to get uh, food on the table mm -hmm. aren't going to be walking into a bank to sign mm -hmm. up for a Canada Learning Bond. We need to find better ways to engage with these families so they get full benefit of some of these programs. Mm -hmm. uh, because I'll tell you, when they'll tell you know the the families that actually have leverage the Canada Learning Bond, I will tell you that once they qualify for that program and that money is there, it all of a sudden turns on kind of the hope button mm -hmm. for those kids yeah. and those parents who can see a real path positive path forward for the child because they do have a resource base that's going to allow them to get them to the post-secondary stage. <clears throat> so it's those kinds of things that, uh, you know, that really come back to really understanding what the barriers are mm -hmm. and being able to address them. And how do we get over them? Yeah. And the number one issue with Canada Learning Bond was also not having ID. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for sure. Uh, you know, and it's one of those you don't know what you don't know sort of things, kind of on both sides. Because the way it's been explained to me by different people was, uh, you know, a lot of times these uh, impoverished families are trying to decide rent, groceries, right, and then you know, or a driver's license, or a driver's license, and right. and paying for lessons and all the good stuff that goes with that, and you know, obviously eating in a, in a warm place to sleep take precedent. Yeah, you know, so they do have a lot of challenges that many people I don't think understand. Yeah, yeah. well, we sponsored. Uh, there was a program with uh, uh, Maples mm -hmm. uh, School Division, and uh, in the Seven Oaks School Division, Maples High School, and they brought in a lot of families mm -hmm. uh, within that area, uh, folks in the Canada Learning Bond, and we sponsored. And it's thirty dollars. It was a thirty dollar charge in order mm -hmm. for them to get ID. And uh, we sponsored that, so we took nice. that off the table. Yeah. And people go, wow, it's only $30. Well, $30 when you're trying to afford to put food on the table is $30. Yes, yes. it's so, a big deal. Yeah, so let's wipe that barrier out. Mm -hmm. Let's have it at the school, which is a, a safe environment, a comfortable area for families to come and the kids to come. And they got great take up mm -hmm. in terms of getting more and more of these uh, kids qualified for the Canada Learning Bond. So it's those kinds of things that I think we need to do more of. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. That's one of the reasons I wanted you on the show, so we can get that out to people, so that the business people. I really people was are, curious why you <laughs> wanted me on the show. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> to me, there's really no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just figured. And now you know that for sure. Yeah. No, I, I need somebody else with the same hairstyle as I. Have. <laughs> 
this is what men are supposed to look like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, and I think at that point we can wrap up for the week and thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Rob. You really Keep need... up the great work. Yeah, I, thank you. I, think what, I love what you're doing here. You're a great community, and ch community champion. We had you on the board of the Winnipeg Chamber. I have huge respect for you and the way you view your role as a community leader. So bravo to you. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. So anyone that uh, wants to follow us on some of the regular social media, uh, we're all available on LinkedIn. The show can be seen in its entirety on YouTube as well as Instagram and Twitter, as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that sort of thing. So we are out there if you want to contact me and, and send messages and get a conversation going back and forth. I sure look forward to seeing you. Thanks. We'll see you next week.